If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in the very last chapter of Proverbs, chapter 31. We're going to read together verses 10 through 31, finishing out the book today. If you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles underneath the, the center uh, aisle of chairs. You're welcome to grab that and, and read along with us as we're working through this text of Scripture today. And if you don't have a Bible, I mean, you can just grab that and take it with you as you're going about your day. Proverbs 31, verses 10 is where we're going to start. We're going to read uh, through the end of the chapter. And if you want to cheat, the words are going to be on the screen. Here, let's read these together. An excellent wife who can find... She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold a spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we honor you today by honoring your word. And we pray as we pray each week as we gather of, as your church. Uh, first, in thanks that you have allowed us to gather. We don't take for granted that uh, we've been able to come here uh, free of oppression and persecution to sing to lift our voices, to shout out as a song we sang earlier, hallelujah, to cry that out and to do that without persecution or fear. Lord, we thank you for the country that we live in. Lord, we thank you for the gathering of your church where, Lord, we are focused on nothing less than worshiping a God who's deserving of our worship. Lord, as we glorify you uh, in our worship, uh, hear our praise, God, and as we reciprocate, Lord, we, we desire to hear from you. God, would you pour into us by your spirit um, words that bring us to life. God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see all that you would have for us, both corporately and individually today. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. All right. So this summer we've been in a series in a book of Proverbs. Now, I don't know if you checked out the seasons or anything, but um, summer ended about two weeks ago. So I'm, I'm working on a little bit of borrowed time. So uh, I appreciate your grace. Uh, but that does mean that uh, since we crossed over in the fall about a week and a half ago, uh, this is going to be our last uh, sermon in our Proverbs series. And next week, as we gather together, we'll be starting to look at the book of James. And they'll carry us through uh, almost all the way to really all the way to Christmas, where we'll celebrate Advent. We'll take a little bit of a break and then we'll finish it out in January 2017. And so as we've been diving into Proverbs for most of the summer, our our goal, our object has been to, to get wisdom. And of course, the Proverbs are a good place to do that. The Proverbs aren't the singular place that we can do that. Of course, that's a, it's not just a, a proverbial thing that, that gives us wisdom. The whole Bible is trying to convey wisdom to us. This is what Paul says in, in the New Testament, Ephesians 5. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. And so I, what, I, what I think Paul is trying to get over to us is that it's imperative that, um, that we navigate the seasons of our life with wisdom, that we're wise about how we walk in every day as we're just um, being about our everyday lives. And that really is what the Proverbs are trying to get at as well. Proverbs 4 or 5, this is the, um, this is the foundation verse for our, our series that we've entitled Get Wisdom. Uh, Solomon writes to his, his, his young boys, get wisdom, get insight, he says, don't forget it. Don't turn away from the words of my mouth. And of course, this is Solomon encouraging his young boys as they're going through life um, that there's nothing more important for them than that they, they would uh, divulge themselves into how to live a wise life. And he says it in such a way that they can learn it, that the things that he's saying they can embrace and uh, in turn, as they live them out, it's going to it's going to be a, a righteous, right life for them. And so Solomon says here, I mean, get wisdom. And I think what he's saying, if you peel back the onion of, of his words, is I mean, this is the this is the stuff that makes up the help self-help section in any bookstore. You go on Amazon.com, type in self-help, and all those books are trying to give us guidance, wisdom, advice, counsel on how to live our lives right. Um, this is the stuff that therapists get paid for. I'm I, I'm not knocking therapists. I've got a master's degree in counseling. I believe in it. But Here's what the the Proverbs are saying. Counselors, self-help books are of help to us in the various aspects of our life. But here's what you should also do. You should open up this divine wisdom that God has given you. And it's going to do that very same thing that that you're seeking from all different avenues in life. This is the stuff that, I mean, self-help books, you know, why we buy them and why uh, therapists get paid. It helps us with how we live in every area of our life, your money, your relationships, uh, sexual intimacy, your vocation, introspection, just trying to come to grips with the emotions that you're living in life, getting along with other people. I could go on and on and on. And here's what Solomon is saying. When you get wisdom, you gain a skill in regards to how how to live life, because that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the skill of living life. Here's, Here's a good definition. Wisdom means living skillfully in the world that God has made. And there's a difference. There's a difference between living wise as the world would have us live and, and, and then living wise 
in the way that God would have you live. Those are two different ways of going about wisdom. But here's the encouraging thing for me in that definition. Um, if, if wisdom is a skill, it means that almost like learning to ride a bike or learning to swim or even as a child learning to walk, uh, there, there are some things about wisdom that as I apply myself to it, I can learn it. And if you're like me, that's, I mean, that's just encouraging that God's saying, all right, you're naive. You're, you're actually kind of ignorant sometimes. I'm going to help you out. Just open up my book, read it a little bit, and I'm going to pour in some wisdom to you. So wisdom is uh, the skill of living in the world that God has made. Wisdom isn't about IQ, how smart you are, how much education you have, all the, the words that come behind you know, the titles that you might have in regards to the, your profession. It really is about becoming wise at life, living a good life, but not just a good life and having a lot of money and a big house, cars and, and stuff, but living a good life in the way that God would define good. And so the Proverbs tells us, if you want to live well, um, here's a book that it's going to um, lend that to you. And so we've been looking at Proverbs and what it has to say in, in different areas. We started out looking really closely at all of chapters one through nine. And as I explained many weeks ago, Solomon um, is attributed to writing most of Proverbs. And a proverb is a short, pithy saying. It's, it's words that are shrunken down truth that you can take with you. Memorize it and it'll, it's supposed to help you when you're in uh, distress and need some wisdom that doesn't come from you. That's what a proverb is, is supposed to be. When Solomon wrote Proverbs, the first nine chapters are dedicated to his sons. And uh, they aren't necessarily short, pithy sayings because it's a consistent message that it's given. Uh, and so we looked at that very intently. And then after chapter 10, we started looking at different topics, you know, how, what you say with your mouth or marriage or your money. And here we come today uh, to the very last chapter of Proverbs. And, you know, you guys have read this, this, uh, this passage before. You've been to a Mother's Day service at church. You've seen some woman or uh, a, a man pastor uh, touting about the virtuous woman. And there are really two ways that we can receive the um, Proverbs 31. You can either receive it as uh, these really are, uh, this is a, a unique woman and we can be inspired by all that she is and all that she does. Uh, but on the other end of that, we can be intimidated by her because this lady's got it going on, right? I mean, think about all that she's, she's able to do. We already read these words. She's a tireless worker. She manages both a business and her household. She helps the poor. She's prepared her family for any kind of disaster. The, the scriptures specify uh, the disaster of impending snow. She's thrifty, but she's not cheap. She's charming, successful, energetic, competent, and oh, by the way, she's godly. Man, you need to go find you a woman like that. Um, here's the, here's the, the greatest accolade that I think the, the, the writer of this proverb gives her. He says that her children and her husband call her blessed. I think simply put, I mean, she's, she's not just a wise woman. She has it going on. Um, here's the truth. Uh, commentators on the Bible argue about what's really going on in Proverbs 31. Many of them would say, yes, it's touting a woman who, who, who really is 
all that. She's, uh, she's wise and thrifty and uh, business savvy and, and all that stuff. Others would say, you know what, this is just an ideal. There, there's no such thing as a woman who has all these accolades that does all this stuff very well. One commentator writes, this lady's standards is not implied to be within reach of anybody for it presupposes unusual gifts and material resources. Another writes, the description is ideal and should not be used as a standard by which to measure and critique other women. And so if you're a woman here and you've heard a sermon that says this is what you should be like, all right, and if you're not doing these things, you're making an error, uh, I'm going to uh, release some of your, your attention. All right, so I, I actually do believe these commentators are right. Okay, this is, this is a picture of an ideal woman uh, to which you should aspire to be like. But the, uh, ideal means if you were perfect, you'd be hitting all these marks. None of us in here are perfect. And so you can just let, you can just like give an exhale. <sighs> you don't have to be taunted by a pastor, um, male or female, or someone exhorting you to be like this Proverbs woman because she, she's almost perfect. I mean, she, she's not done anything wrong in business or in life. Here's my take on why Proverbs ends this way. Uh, it's interesting. Proverbs is written to a male audience. Most of the Bible is written to a male audience because of the culture that the Bible was, was written in over the, the, the several centuries that it was, it was written in. Um, and so I think the first reason why we see Proverbs 31 ending talking about a wise woman is it's kind of obvious, but it has to do with, with women. Um, Beginning in first, uh, chapter 1, verse 20 of Proverbs, Solomon has consistently personified uh, wisdom as a woman. He's, it's, it's, it's a she. It's, it's her. It's, and we don't know why he's done, done that. Uh, I happen to believe Solomon was talking to his boys, and so it might have been a better discussion to paint wisdom as, as a woman. But probably more importantly, Solomon had a wife. And more than that, he had, a, he had a mom. And he knew that, you know, as opposed to his dad, women sometimes have wisdom that men don't have. And so women, I mean, I, I think this is here because women are important. Men, I think Solomon, uh, the, the writer here, has attributed the last words in Proverbs to a wise woman because he's saying to this, this male audience that this is written to that women are important. This chapter is giving us the example of a woman um, to inspire us and give us something that we can be like, especially for those who are women in the room. I think there's a second reason, though, and this is the reason that I want us to pay attention to as we work through this, uh, this text today, and it's, and it's this. Proverbs 31, although we always apply it just to women, it's not written just to women. It's not, it's, it shouldn't just be broken out on Mother's Day, okay? It's like the author of this passage is he's looking back on all the, you know, chapter 1 through 30, all the wisdom that he's given us, um, specifically Solomon to his sons, and then the short pithy sayings about all these kinds of things. And he's summarizing everything that he's saying, and he's giving us a picture. He's saying, guess what? This is what wisdom looks like. And if you want to see what wisdom looks like and it's ideal, here it is. And it's inconsequential that it's a, a, a woman. That's the, the figure, the fo focal point of the, of the analogy that he's giving us. And so he's saying, here's a picture. It's a picture not just for women. It's for all of us. It's the model of how God wants us to live 
wise lives. But oh, by the way, he is saying this. Wise women should aspire to be like her. Wise men should seek to find a woman like this and marry them. But all of us, all of us who aim to be wise should try to incarnate this wisdom that she embodies in the way that we live our lives. So that's what I think is happening in Proverbs 31. And that really is how we're going to go through it with that picture in mind. This is written not just to women, but to everybody. And um, the wise writer is trying to give us a picture of what wisdom looks like applied to our lives. Just, uh, you know, what does it look like? Um, And I think it's saying uh, at least three things. And the first thing it's saying um, is that wisdom is rare. Verse 10, an excellent wife who can find. Uh, The writer writer is actually not Solomon, it's King Lemuel. In fact, that's questionable. Definitely the first nine verses of chapter 31 are attributed to King Lemuel. We actually don't know if it's him continuing this thought or if it's some other unnamed writer that's writing verse 10 through 31. But interesting about interesting note about King Lemuel is even the wisdom that he's giving us uh, in verse one through nine. Those are things his mom taught him. All right. So the focal point is the, you know, again, the personification of uh, of wisdom as a woman. And it's touting the importance of women to an all male, all male audience. And so he asked this rhetorical question, an excellent wife who can find. I mean, it's that's a hard task. And so the rhetorical answer, uh, the reply, implied answer actually is it's not there's no one out there that, that has this wisdom. That, that would be wrong to say that. There are some people that are wise that live life like this. But it would be true to say that it does imply that there are very few people who actually live life like this young lady here does in the wise way that she that she lives it. The Hebrew word for excellent um, has military overtones. And that is one of the reasons why commentators say that this doesn't necessarily apply straight to a, a woman. There are other contexts that you can take these words, although it does say she and her uh, perhaps intending to be a woman. Uh, it's, it's a broad audience that it's written to. The basic meaning is uh, a person of strength and power. It's suggesting a woman that, that's not a pushover. She, she understands how tough life can be, and she's prepared herself to be able to deal with people so that she has success in her professional life, but also success for her, for her family. And so the question, a woman like this, who can find? It's not that there's no one out there. It's just they're, they're very few. They are rare. He goes on to say she's far more precious than jewels. And so he's saying, all right, so when you find a woman like this, treasure her, embrace her, uh, because she's not just rare, she's valuable. When we started this series uh, weeks ago, in the beginning of the summer, I gave you this, uh, this story. Say uh, an old relative gives you this, this ugly, like hideous brooch, and you don't have the nerve to throw it away like you want to, but you put it in a box and you stick it in the back of the, you know, the deepest dress that you have, and you leave it there until you hear that uh, the antique road show is coming into town. You know, they, they look at all kind of old, weird, crazy stuff and somehow found value in it. And so you pull that brooch out, you go to the show, and it's your turn to, uh, to, to get your, your thing, uh, your, your brooch appraised. You give it to the dealer, and he's, he's like, oh, 
and he and he leaves and he goes back and he comes back and he's like and he brings out one of those little diamond things with the that makes your eye light your uh, eyeball big and he's like looking at it and he, he goes out and comes back again he's like i don't believe this you've got the rarest you know the thing that was lost and now you found it most expensive jewel in all the land and uh and you're going to be a rich person all right and i'm you know if you're like me um you're going to do a uh a, a party dance and you're going to sell that thing and take the money. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He's saying this is what wisdom is like. It's like of inestimable value. Did I say that right? It has no value attached to it. It's like something that's so rare and so valuable. You'd be an idiot to throw it away and, and not treasure it. That's what he's that's what he's saying. Um. We've seen this earlier in Proverbs. In fact, the place where I gave that that, that illustration from was Proverbs 3.15. Uh, Proverbs 3.15. She, wisdom, is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Proverbs 8.11. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And so if we take seriously the teaching of Proverbs and apply it to our life, it's saying that we're going to be rare it's not that nobody lives like this, but very few people live like it. But on top of that, there's going to be some intrinsic, inestimable value in regards to us. Not that we have a whole bunch of stuff or that our head is big, is filled with knowledge, but that's just the, the way that we go about our life in tune with who we are as mere creatures in the world that God has made. It's going to make us special people. That's all he's saying. There won't be many people like you around. And that's what Proverbs is conveying all the way through. All throughout Proverbs, we've seen really that we're offered a path in life. We're offered, we're offered several paths in life. And as we're starting out, um, I mean, basically the, the, the word to, that you give to call all of us would be a simpleton. You know, the, the, the Proverbs use this word that, Simpletons. They, they really don't know which way to go, uh, but they're encouraged to choose one or either way. And simpleton sounds like an insult, but really it's, it's about those who are still young trying to find their way in life. Let's look at Proverbs 8. 8, 1 through 5 explains this. Do, uh, does wisdom not call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call and my cry is the children of men. O simple ones, learn, learn prudence. Um, all of us begin out and we're offered several paths in life. And when we're under the roof of our parents or we're young men or women going through life, um, we see the, the paths that life can take us. And the simpleton is one that is, is just trying to figure out which path to take. It's not that we just don't, uh, we just don't know. And, uh, ultimately, it comes down to two paths in life that we can take. And the proverb says it's the path of the, uh, of the wise or the path of the foolish. And we're going to take one of those paths. All of us in here are going to take one of those paths in life. Let's deal with the, the path of the foolish first. Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. The woman folly. And so Solomon here to his sons is uh, also uh, personifying foolishness as a woman. The woman folly is loud. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat at the highest places of town, calling to those who pass by. 
who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of, of Sheol. They're in the depths of hell. And so this is what he's saying. He's like, the, if you're a simpleton and you're trying to figure out which path am I going to take, the path of the fool, the path of the wise, then there's, there's this, um, this entity. We'll call it woman folly. And she's beckoning you. She's calling you to come and follow her, to, to come her path. All right, simpleton, I'm calling you to come my way. And these, this is, these are those who, who fall prey to that. It's those who give in to the crowd. It's those who uh, flirt or even give in to sexual temptation and anger. It's, it's those who will listen to others, even those who you know are giving you information um, that's not going to end well for you. It's those that go with the flow. It's the path of those who reject the fear of the Lord. It's the path that this verse says ultimately leads to death. And so here's, here's the most important thing I'm going to say. It's not, no, that's not true. It's not the most important thing I'm going to say. This is an important point. Uh, Proverbs tells us this path, this path of following woman folly is the default path. Without deliberate, evasive action, you're going to end up on this path, the path of foolishness. Thank God there's another path. And the other path is a path of wisdom. Um, this is ironic, but um, in Proverbs, wisdom is not just for those who have smart parents and who've um, led them right in life. It's not those who do well in school and go on to college and a graduate degree. It's not those who end up being monetarily successful in life so that you have stuff. Wisdom is offered to any and everybody. Anybody that wants it. It's not just for those who are privileged or well positioned. Fools and simpletons are invited to feast at the table of wisdom. Look at Proverbs 9, verse 1. Wisdom has hewn her seven pillars. She's slaughtered her beasts. She's mixed her wine. She's also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call to from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, she's calling out the simpleton. The simpleton who has yet to choose his way, you got two paths. And both woman folly and, one, and lady wisdom are calling for all of us to come their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense and says, come eat my bread and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the ways of insight. And so all throughout Proverbs, wisdom calls out and invites us to embrace her. I think there's two lessons that we can learn uh, just from this, uh, this section here. And the first lesson is this. If you want to be wise... Wisdom is offered freely to you. It can be yours. But I think the, the trick is you got to want it. it. Wisdom is not just going to jump on you without any effort from you to actually get it. And, and here's the thing that that's my contention that we're learning from the wise woman, that if you would go down the path of wisdom, you will be one that's rare. There's not a lot of people that are that are like hoarding this path and trying to go down this way. You're going to be rare, and um, I think we'll also find that those who, uh, who are around you will 
um, will think more of you because you've gone down that path. In fact, the, 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 the text tells us that another lesson is wisdom adds value. You ever met someone and the more you get to know them, the least you like about them? I mean, that does happen sometimes, doesn't it? Um, the example we have here is the exact opposite. Look at verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Uh, the, the wisdom of Proverbs is saying, the writer is saying that this woman is so wise in her dealings that her husband is benefiting from all the things that she's doing. Later, it'll say uh, he's able to go stand at the gate with the elders, the rulers of the city and do his thing because she's got everything else under control. Verse 12, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Then skip down to verse 28. It says her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Here's the here's the point here. Um, A lot of times persons that know us best. um, I mean, they'll have some critique because they can see us not only just on our good days, but on on our bad days. But that's not what's happening here. The people that know her best, which are her husband, her family, and potentially her workers, are the ones that that praise her. Um, There's no put down. There's no fault finding. There's no insults. You know, a lot of times when we know someone so well that we know if we say something, we're going to say something bad. Like my mama said, uh, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, and so if you don't have anything good to say, what do you do? You just like zip it. You don't say anything. Just silence. That's not what's going on here. They have nothing but praise for her. She's lived in front of them a wise life. Um, and all they have to all they have to say in return for that is just praise. And so here's the verdict. If you pursue wisdom, you'll be rare uh, and you'll be valuable to those who are around you. That's the first picture. Here's the second picture. Wisdom touches everything. Um, most of us compartmentalize our life. Uh, And by that, I simply mean um, if we're good at one thing, we focus a lot on that one thing to the detriment of other things. In fact, none of us can be good at everything. And so perhaps in your profession, in your passion, in a hobby, uh, you find out things that you're you're good at and you you try to become even better at those things. Uh, Let's give the example of of my life. Um, Former army officer, but for the last 10 years, I've been uh, a pastor. Okay, and so typically someone in vocational ministry, uh, a pastor, a missionary, someone that's working for a a nonprofit, a a religious nonprofit entity, we would think that they know at least a little bit, probably a lot. They become experts of sorts in whatever their realm is in the spiritual world. Okay, they're an expert at, you know, thinking about and helping people walk with God. But we might not also think that like Jeff is good at like fixing a car, which I'm not or doing math, which I'm not, or, you know, being artistic and creative and all those things, which I'm definitely not, okay? You you get my point? Um, But here, I mean, that's not the case with this wise woman. She seems to be good at everything. I mean, it's a picture of of someone who's somehow accomplished in many different areas. And we're not going to go back and look at all these verses, but I am going to point out a few. Think about this. This wise woman... In verse 13 and 14, it says that she's a shrewd seller and buyer. I mean, she has her own business and she's able to um, to be successful at it such that it benefits her and her family. Uh, We see that same thing in verse 18 and 24. 
in verse 15 and 16, it says she manages her staff. She's got maidens that she manages and she invests her money and her property. Also in verse 15, it says that she I mean, she's a talented worker. She gets up early. She stays up late. And it doesn't seem like she I mean, it seems like she has energy to do all of that. Verse 20, it says she doesn't hoard just everything for herself. In fact, she helps the poor. So as we summarize this wise woman's life, um, she provides for her, ha- for, for her family. She's prepared for the ups and downs of life. She, she's an extremely competent business person, and she's greatly to be um, appreciated by, by her family. She's able to do a lot of things seemingly well. And I think as we think about this, um, really when we read Proverbs, it's not just about getting more knowledge. That's what she's teaching us. Wisdom is not about getting more knowledge or becoming more spiritual. It's not against that. But the wisdom that we are trying to attain is we want it so that it like fills us up and then it leaks out. Not leaks out so that you don't have it anymore, but it leaks out in that it's touching every part of your life. And I think that's what we the picture that we're getting when we look at the wise woman. She's a person who, after gaining wisdom, has become wise in all the ways that she orchestrates her life, her business life, her family life, her work life, her hobbies, attitudes, most especially your attitudes. So wisdom is supposed to be for all of life. You ever met uh, a person, perhaps a mentor of yours, that uh, you know they specialize in a certain area or their expertise was, uh, was in like doing this thing. But yet you could come and ask them about anything in life and the answer they gave you was better than anything you could have looked up you know, on Wikipedia or Googled or even gone to uh, someone else to ask. And that's a person that not, doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily smart because you know, uh, they have great education. It's just a person who God has made wise, um, probably by the way that they've lived their life, the experience that life has given them, and just the, you know, the gift of God that if we seek for wisdom, he's going to give it back to us. And so uh, here's what the wise woman is teaching us. Wisdom is rare, and then it's supposed to touch all of life. And thirdly, here's the last picture. Wisdom is ultimately about God. We're going to look at one verse here. Um, we divine wisdom as the skill to, to live life uh, that God has given us in this world. It's just a, uh, the, the, the skill of living life. And that definition can, can in some ways leave you to believe that you can be wise and leave God out of it. If wisdom is a skill, I can learn, you know, I can just be smart, gain knowledge, gain understanding in all kinds of stuff, all kinds of areas, and not really need God. But we shouldn't obviously make that mistake. Uh, wisdom has everything to do with God. And Proverbs 31, 30 uh, is telling us what the source of wisdom is. Charm is deceitful, uh, the writer says in verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The the first part of this verse reminds us that there um, there are parts of us on the surface that may look one way, but when you open us up from the inside, we may be left wanting. It's basically saying um, there are some things in life that can be deceitful and fleeting, 
regardless of how they look on the outside. You ever met someone that on the surface seems to have uh, charm about them, but you unpack their personality a little bit and they're just as nasty as can be? You ever met someone that's like the most gorgeous, handsome person that you've ever seen and like, you're like drawn to them, like attraction kind of drawn. But the more you get to know them, you figure out that their character is like bottomed out way up here. It's like nothing, nothing that just hollow on the inside and have nothing to offer you uh, beyond the, the external beauty that they might have. And I think the picture of, of the wise woman is that wisdom, when we gain it, is, is different. The picture that, uh, of wisdom is that it has a quality that's not deceptive. It's not vain or fleeting, which means that the person who has these wise qualities is going to is going to have things that are unseen and are that that are eternal. Like you can't buy those things. And here's the phrase that uh, that's the most important phrase in terms of uh, why wisdom is ultimately about God. It says she fears the Lord. The, The wise woman fears the Lord. Um, most of all of Proverbs has, uh, deals with us at the horizontal level. It tells us there are things that we can do in our work, in our relationships, in our hobbies, all those things that we do. There's skills that you can gain to, to get a little bit of wisdom. And if you do those things, you're going to grow in that wisdom. And it might make you think that um, you can live life on a horizontal level and, and be okay with life. But here's what Proverbs does when it begins, and it comes back to this when it ends. It tells us that horizontal level level living, where you're gaining a skill to live life, is only going to work when, uh, at first, vertically, you have the right life in relation to the God that you serve. And it says that in the likes of Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There's other couple of of Proverbs that, that... uh, iterate that as well. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the holy is insight. And in Psalm 111, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. And so the fear of the Lord, we looked at that as the very first introduction to our study in Proverbs. And the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's, it's reverencing God for who he is and what he's done as the, as the giver of life, as the creator of all that we know to be in our world. It means to be rightly related to God, to fear him. It's to know that, 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 you're, that God is God and that we're not. It's to live your life in, re- in reverential fear of him. And living skillfully, the Bible tells us, begins and ends with this. And uniquely, Proverbs 1-7 and then Proverbs 31 both tell the story of the right way to live is when you live it firstly by living it in the fear of God. And I can think of no, um, I mean, if you, if you know Jesus, this is even more important for you because the Bible tells us of, of one who gives us the most real picture of wisdom as opposed to all the pictures that the world gives us of, of what a wise life might be like. The Bible tells us of Jesus, who um, in Scripture is, uh, is the wisest human being that's ever lived. Paul says it like this. He embodied wisdom. Uh, in him are 
all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's interesting, Solomon was able to, to tell us all about wisdom. Solomon was actually able to tell us, uh, not just describe it, but tell us how to attain it. But we can also see in the Bible that Solomon failed to attain the very wisdom that he talked about. When you go to the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, we see Solomon also in a schizophrenic state. And Solomon is telling us that because he was so wise, he applied his life to, to figure out the, the reason and the, the why of everything. And so as he's trying out all these things in his life, um, he goes down the deep end. And then later on, where I'm assuming several years uh, at the conclusion of this book, he comes back with a conclusion of, all right, so here's the, I've tried out everything. Here's the best thing in life. Fear the Lord. That's, that's Solomon's conclusion after going off the deep end and trying everything. Solomon failed to live up to the wisdom that he actually wrote about. And that really is why Jesus came. God sends Jesus to not just teach us what wisdom looks like, but to have Jesus live it and embody it. Solomon called for us to be obedient in, in the divine word that God had given him to share in hopes that it would bring us to, to live a wise life. But Jesus came to take upon himself our disobedience and to atone for our sin. Jesus lived wisely in all the ways that we can. And that's, that's the good news. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit to, uh, uh, to indwell us, to help us with our wisdom, and to help us obey in those areas that are toughest for us. And so um, we're going to close the book of Proverbs for now. There's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other topics I wanted to cover, like um, friendships and emotion, your inner life, uh, parenting, uh, family stuff. Um, but that's why they're Proverbs. I mean, we can just come back to them and you all can read them, read them as you as you would. And so here's the picture of applied wisdom that that one lady wisdom gives us. Firstly, it's rare. Um, you won't find very many people seeking wisdom such that they, they live it like she lived it in her life. But when you do find that that person, you should try to be like that person because uh, you're going to become valuable to those who are around you. Secondly, we learn from her life that it touches all of all of your life. Wisdom leaks out, leaks out in a sense that not that it's you're emptying yourself of wisdom, but it should flow into all those other areas that that you uh, that you exist in life, where you work, how your family is oriented, and, and really everything that you're doing. And, and, and lastly, it's ultimately about God. Wisdom begins with being in relation, right relationship with the God that we serve, and his name is Jesus. Um, and, that, and that leads us to the response. So what do you do after you've sort of read a proverb? All right, so there it is. It, it tells me to do this one thing. What do you do after you've um, seeing the wisdom. I think there's two responses. Uh, and I, let me give you one. So how do I get wisdom? Really, every sermon series, every sermon in the series was sort of hitting at this. How do I get wisdom if I want to seek it? Uh, and so in case you've missed it, I just want to give it to you very succinctly. How do we get wisdom? Well, firstly, you, you got to read it. All right. And that's an encouragement to you to actually read the word. Um, the Bible is the source of wisdom for us. This is God's revealed word to us. He's revealing his wisdom to us through his word. And so 
one of the, the primary place that you get wisdom to live your life is from the Bible. Not just Proverbs, all the Bible. It's, it's got story of redemption. It's, it's not a story about you primarily. It's got story about himself and how we are to orient ourselves in relation to him in his world. And if you receive the Bible like that, you're going to become wise. Um, here's the second advice I would give you. How do you get wisdom? You got to hang out with wise people. All right. I mean, it's, it's like I'm thinking some bad things. All right. You, you, you can't if you're going to hang out with vagabonds and dummies, you, you're going to get what you, you're going to get what you get. Right. The, the wisdom of Proverbs 1320 says he who walks with the wise grows wise. You know what the rest of that verse says? But a companion of fools suffers harm. All right. So Proverbs is always uh, comparing for us. The, the walk of wisdom versus the walk of folly. If you want to be wise, you got to have some wise people around you. And this is how these first two play together. Um, you got to read the word and you got to hang around wise people. There's a lot the Bible doesn't talk, tell us about. It doesn't tell us how to change a tire. It doesn't tell us specifically which, uh, which investments, which stocks to invest in. It doesn't tell us to, to invest in Apple over IBM or anything like that. And so how do you know what to do when you have a, a, you know, a decision to make? Uh, you, you take the guidance from the word that gives us the overarching guidance of, of, of a wise life. And then we, are, we live in a world where God has um, blessed some people to, be, um, to, to have more wisdom, just innate wisdom uh, about some things than other people. Some of you are more mechanical than others. Some of you uh, uh, just know how the world works in terms of its creativity and science and all that kinds of stuff than, than, others, than others do. Some of you are business savvy. Some of you are just like the smartest people that are, you know, that, that, we, that we've ever met. And I would tell you, hang around those people. Go, in, go avail yourself to those people when you have a question. And lastly, uh, and this is the most important, how do we get wisdom? We fear the Lord. The Bible tells us that uh, the wisest person to live on this earth was the incarnate Christ, Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to fear him because when you fear him, you're going to get wisdom. You search for God, you're going to run into wisdom. You search for wisdom, at the end of that, you're going to get Jesus. That's the first response. Here's the second response, or at least the offer of response. And, and this is what uh, Lady Wisdom teaches us. Um, you got a path to take. And the path for us simpletons is to take either the path of folly or the path of wisdom. And for all of us, our natural bent is to is to move toward folly. It really is. Even after we know the Lord, we are folly is always beckoning us. And folly is that it's the way of the crowd. It's where everybody's going. And so to go against the flow, uh, lady wisdom, the wise woman and and the Proverbs are calling out to us to seek wisdom. Why? Because that's what leads you to the fear of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Proverbs and for its lessons to us. We thank you for uh, the comparison of wisdom and folly. Uh, we need those to, to see our lives rightly in, in perspective of how we live it. Uh, Lord, we confess that, um, that we lean toward folly oftentimes in our life. And this is what folly is. Folly is um, it's knowing what to do, but yet not doing it. Lord, save us from ourselves. Save us from folly. And we pray that you do that, do that through your word. 
Um, Lord, would you help us um, to be so in tune to your word that it helps drive the foolishness out from us and in its place we can embrace woman wisdom that like the exhortation of Proverbs 31 that we could see the ideal of what wisdom looks like in the, the life of one who is wise and you would help us to be rare you would help wisdom to leak into all the areas of our life and that would lead us most important to the fear of the Lord to the fear of Jesus pray that in your name